I Heart Miko podcast, episode 173. Today is July. Damn, summer's almost over. What is today? July 25th? 24th. Wow. That fast. The summer has gone. Um, I thought it would only be fitting for us to end the summer with some football talk. Well, the summer technically isn't over till September, but my summer's over because I'm a mother. And Aiden's getting ready to go back to school. But training camp has just started today for most of the teams. So for all of my football fans that have been waiting for the football talk, here you go. Uh, Joining me today all the way from Miami, Florida, South Florida Sun Sentinel writer, Miami Dolphins beat boy and five, six. (laughs) (laughs) A beat boy. You're a beat boy. Because there were some boys over there. Uh, I just ain't in the triple A's. You ain't in the triple A's. Omar Kelly, welcome back to the iHeartMiko podcast. Always. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. How's the weather down there? You know, I came here to escape the Florida weather. How's the weather today? You know, today was decent. We There's supposed to be a tropical storm, like somewhere percolating. Ooh. You know, I, I don't really pay attention to it that often. Some, sometimes it's here, sometimes it's not. So, But it rains 15 minutes and then it moves on. But uh, weather, it's going to be hot. Training camp starts tomorrow for the Dolphins. I expect it to be hot. Hot as hell. Hot as hell. Typical uh, South Florida weather. Are you excited? Because this means you're back to work as well. Your vacation time is over. You're not excited? No. no. <laughs> I, had, I had the last fun weekend that, that was Questy hosted Questy's bachelor party. We did it up. I had a good time. But that was basically my goodbye to summer. Now it's straight work till January, the first week of January. Well, let's get right to it. I want the updates and the latest. The only thing that I've been seeing trending on social media is that you guys are dying still to find a cornerback to replace Brent Grimes. I mean, y'all trying out guys in the XFL that ain't played in years. Y'all out here scraping the bottom of the barrel to find a corner. What's going on down there, Miami? I mean, they're really looking for somebody to play opposite Xavier and Howard. I think that their vision is to move Bobby McCain to free safety and have him pair with Rashad Jones. And I think they're going to really play a three quarter, three safety system, really four safeties on the field, um, because Mika Fitzpatrick is probably going to play all over from boundary to nickel to safety. So Bobby McCain is a free safety, two strong safeties in TJ McDonald and, and, uh, and Rashad Jones. And then making Fitzpatrick in a nickel. I think that that's their vision for the defense. The question is, who plays on the other boundary? Right. But I do believe a quarter system is really what their base is going to be like. Well, do you think that they can be successful in that base? Do you think their defensive coordinator can get them all on the same page and actually function with that defensive lineup? Well, if you really think about it, New England Patriots use sort of a, a, a dime system as their base with Patrick Chung sort of roving around like Mika Fitzpatrick um, doing various roles. Uh, the, the the question is, do they have the personnel and can TJ and Rashad right. work well together, which is something that they haven't done for the last two years. They've got very comparable skill sets. But I think if you can have somebody serve as the center fielder, last line of defense, and then put them closer to the box as pseudo linebackers, it would sort of alleviate the pressure because both of them are physical playmakers mm-hmm. who can cover a little bit, cover a little bit better than linebackers, and they still bring the same kind of pop that linebackers do. So this is kind of sort of out-the-box thinking. Then you've got Bobby McCain, who's shown you that he can be physical. He's played in the nickel. If you played in the nickel, you've got to be physical. Yeah. So he, he's a short tackler. He's got speed. He doesn't necessarily have size, but I don't think that's really going to be an issue for the role that they have, which is basically just don't let anybody get behind you. 
Let me not. <laughs> that's been a tough. That's been a Same tough thing, thing for the Dolphins' the defense in a, in a nickel system, a dime, any any system they've had. They have always struggled at cornerback since I've been there uh, the last six years. Yeah, uh, they've always struggled at cornerback. Corner. We ain't even quarterback. We we can roll oh. over the quarterback if you want to now. Yeah. So they, listen. They got struggles a lot of places. It it really does start with quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does start with putting up twenty seven points, which is something that they just cannot do. No. Um. If if you cannot put up twenty seven points in today's NFL, you gonna struggle and you gonna eventually gonna hemorrhage to death on defense. Correct. And that's where the problem came in because these other teams were putting up points on us, and we weren't able to keep up. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, not only that, but teams. You know, my biggest issue is not necessarily the secondary. Uh, they got no pass rushes. They, you know, you get rid Which of Which also Wiggle, makes the, puts more pressure on the secondary. That is correct. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But let, I'm not naive enough to think that they're actually trying to be good. Uh, Even though I that's what the they're saying in the media. They're, they're trying to win every game. This isn't a this isn't a tank year. I mean, they're oh, letting who, fit. Who they're said letting, that? The Dolphins? Yes. Like, your head coach said girl. that. They're trying to win every game. This is not a tank year. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I look at your roster, your roster says completely different. Well, I mean. They have, no, they have no depth. None. Zero. They got depth at two positions. They got depth at safety, and they got a little bit of depth at wide receiver. That's it. They don't have it. any depth at any other. Now, you got two quarterbacks. Fitzpatrick, I actually thought he played pretty well in the OTAs. And then you got Josh Rosen, who was the worst quarterback in the NFL last season. So, <laughs> like – you know, you how are you going to win and sh- tell people you got depth? You you don't have no depth. They don't have it. They they can't withstand. You know, in the NFL, you're you're going to suffer at least five kids, at least five kinders. You just take five people off the roster. You choose who the five people are, and it's, and and it's already that bleeding. Team is tragically bad. It's already bleeding. So, do you think there's any truth to the the joking rumor that the Dolphins will go zero and eighteen next season? They're not going 0 and 18. Oh, 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 and 18. We ain't playing no 18 games. Oh, and 16. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right. I'm jumping the um, gun. I, they're not. They're not gonna be winless. That like Fitzpatrick alone in my mind can get you three, four wins if he's starting mm-hmm. all 16 games. Uh, they're not gonna be winless. Uh, the problem is once they start to take on some injuries, it's gonna be a wrap. And we all know unless they become the healthiest team in the NFL the injuries are going to come, and that's really when they're going to start to struggle. Speaking of struggling with injuries, the NFL had, has thrown this 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 thing out there called 18 games. You know, I, I have my opinions on it. I think it's catfish. I think it's they've, been throwing, they've been throwing that out there for two decades now, yes. and it's basically just a, a negotiating floor. They really want it, but they're not. I don't they, think they like, want it. I, I, I think that think it's, it. I don't, I think they're using it as a ploy to decrease the player's revenue because what I think mm-hmm. they may try to do is say, well, if you won't give us 18 games and we're going to decrease your revenues. No, they're no. one, you're not doing either because. Well, I mean, you lock I, out, but they, they're basically trying to pull rank and put their dick on the table and tell the, the, the league. It's not a lockout. It's a work stop. Oh, so yes, it's a work stop. It's not a lockout. They, they, they have a contract, so they technically can't lock you out. But I think they do want to go to 18 games from this standpoint. 18 games allows you to uh, uh, renegotiate your TV contract. Mm-hmm. You got two. You got two extra games. 
that's a whole lot of mo more money for each franchise. And that's ultimately what they're getting to. Now, the, the question and problem is, do you pay players an additional game check based on what their contract is? Because you're not going to have me play 18 for the price of 16. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, even though they already play the same amount of games. I'm sure they'll just limit the exhibition games. Well, they said and, that and the players would only have to play in 16 games if they did that, which is so strange because it's like, what games do you pick to sit oh, out well, of? Wait a minute. They want 18 games, but the players only, only have to 16. play in 16 games. Yes. That's what I read. So, so uh, wait a minute. What about the other two games? Exactly. It's so stupid. That's why I don't that's why, I'm taking off. that's why I don't believe it. I truly believe this is a ploy. It's a scam. Why would you? Why would the players agree to this? Why would they ever agree to this? You know how many other things are important? How about get rid of Thursday night games? How about lifetime health insurance? How about uh, bigger rosters? Like, come on. Like, there's so many other important things that, that they would be begging for before they would be asking you to give them more revenue or, or do something different with the, with the amount of games that they're playing. I mean, there. here's my viewpoint. It is all, you're right, it is a negotiating leverage. It's all a ploy to get more money. I mean, to get more, you know, take take have the players to get more from them so that they can get more from, right. the, from these TV networks. Now, my viewpoint is, yeah, you, you want 18 games? Guarantee contracts. You want 18 games? Make, a, make the 53-man roster bigger. Yeah. You want 18 games? Get better health insurance coverage for, for all the players. stuff I just listed, Omar. That's exactly exa what exa I just listed. And the reason that they're doing this is because they know that Amazon and Hulu and all these streaming places will now increase the price to watch these games. And right now, if they get the players down to like a 40 percent of the revenues and then they get these new contracts, that's what I'm that saying. I'm, I'm, that, that, that's all they're trying to do is set them up. That, that ain't you, you're right. They're trying to set up. Here, here's my problem with the, the CBA and, and their negotiations. And, and I've said this for over a decade now. You have 32 of the world's biggest, brightest, most powerful businessmen in the world in all facets of, of, of their fields. Mm -hmm. And not just them, but the team of advisors that each of them has. Like 10, each of them has like 10 brilliant advisors surrounding them in the different facets of their, of their their industries and their worlds and their CEOs. How do you think you're going to outsmart 32 billionaires and their 10 advisors with your slapdick CBA team of lawyers, uh, NFL PA team of lawyers, and your board of, what, 10 important players, one of which is a quarterback? Like, and... This is this is the problem that the, the players have always had. By the time players and 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 I realize this, by the time players figure out that the NFL is not a sport, it's a business. Um, they're in the middle of trying to get a second contract in their fourth year if they made it to their fourth year, and really they just trying to get paid. So talking about a work stoppage ain't really benefiting them. And then the younger guys, the guys with three or less years of experience, they just trying to get to the point where they can get paid. You, you, you trying to mess up that money. So, and then by that time, let, and so all this left by the time you get the four years is like 40% of the league. And then after that, let's flip it to the other side. You got 20% of them who actually got money. And then, the, and then you got another about 40% of people who just trying to hang on. 
who just trying to get to that 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 minimum so that they can get to that pension. Like it it is a brilliant scam hustle setup that the yeah. NFL has. Isn't it? It, it is it's, it's very perfect. It's actually great. And there were other professional sports industries that had the same type of brilliance until the players decided to put their dick on the uh, yeah. table, like I said, and say, nah, no more. It, you it, have to you have to make a change. All of these NFL players this entire summer, as soon as July 1st hits, that's all you see is these players in the NBA who you never even heard of, who are middle market guys getting 70 million guaranteed, 80 million. These NFL players are all on Twitter bitching and crying about how much money NBA players are making. It's just like, it's because you guys don't want to fight for your league. They don't care about their league. They do not care. They're in it as a prison sentence and they're all just trying to get out with their brain and as much money as they possibly can. Okay. You're right. You're a thousand percent right. If I'm the NFL PA, you know what I would be doing? I would be teaming up with Vince McMahon right now. And if I'm the NFL PA Mm -hmm. and being joining, becoming a partner in his league, the XFL, so that, oh, gee, the NFL, you want to play hardball with us? We just go take our talents to the next league. We start up another league that doesn't include you, and we've got the sponsorship of the networks and Vince McMahon. That's how you play hardball with them. You take away the ball. But well. they're in their mind, the league and the owners, they want it to be about the shield. Like Jalen Ramsey. You saw his 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 his, his Bricks truck. Yes. I know you did because you pay attention to all the quarterback. So we we so Jalen Ramsey pulled up in the Brinks truck. Think about it this way. He's marketing himself. He's marketing Adidas because they they had the pure boost all up on, on the Brinks truck. Okay, that's Jalen Ramsey marketing Jalen Ramsey. Does the NFL like that? No. My answer would be no. But in the NBA, they market, they play, you see players walking up to the game, you see players. Do you know players that have it having sponsorship on clothing? They can do whatever they want, and because it, it's they market themselves. The mm-hmm. play, NFL don't want you to market yourself. They don't want you to to see the head, the figures. They just want you to see a number and the helmet, and think that that's that that's our brand. Players need to start thinking individually. Yeah, players need to start working together. Well, collectively. that's the problem because and, they don't they don't see themselves as the brand they like nfl that's a brand jalen ramsey that is a brand you see what i mean brent grimes that's a brand and that's what these players need to understand everybody got so upset with me for wrestling with the dolphins owner but it was really brent grimes brand wrestling with the miami dolphins but all they saw was a, a wife I'm going I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done for that brand, just like the NFL owners are willing to do whatever they need to do for their brand. The minute these players figure out that you you have to actually be thinking for yourself, they're they're so thankful and so happy for this opportunity that these teams have given them. No, you worked your ass off. That is your company. That is your business. You built that. That is yours. They didn't give I've you shit. That. They gave you nothing. Three brands. Yes. You're 53 brands on one team. That's why all these teams and they sit up here and talk about all this team bullshit. I've been covering NFL long enough to know that this team shit is a farce. It's fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the minute the minute you you step out of line and you don't do what's in the team's best interest because it's in your best interest, mm-hmm. like rushing players back. I, I give you a perfect example. Everybody's all upset. Cordray Tankersley, oh, he's not going to be coming back. He's not going to be practicing in training camp. That motherfucker tore his ACL in fucking November. Do you really want to rush a motherfucker on the field in eight months? 
to, yeah, to you play do, football. So that you can cut him so you don't have to give him a severance package. Speaking again, Alan Hearns was released by the Cowboys on Thanks Monday, to- days before training camp. They asked him to take a pay cut. Why do you think they waited so late to do that? To control his leverage. I mean, mm-hmm. who's looking for a receiver at this point in the season? And has the money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, teams got money. They just don't want to spend it. They want to Same see what, what's out there. Well, they 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 need they need a wide receiver to tear an ACL in week three of training camp. <laughs> they go out there and sign Allen Hearns, and, and and it'll happen. But it's it's just gangster. It's disrespectful. I think that if you do something like that, there should be some punishment from the league. Like if you cut a veteran player who's got six years of vested experience in the league. Uh, the week before training camp begins, uh, oh, the month before training camp begins. Once you cut, once you finish, once you finish um, your offseason program in minicamp, if you cut a player from day that day to like the first exhibition game, you should have to be responsible for paying that player twenty five percent of his salary. But that's the way the CBA is designed. It's designed for the owners to flourish. To fuck you. And yep. and it's and people are constantly saying like oh well, you know trying to blame players. I was I was at the big three this weekend and I was talking to Kenya Martin and he was saying that he didn't like how the uh, the how uh, Westbrook and Paul George just up and left Oklahoma, left the fan strand. All these people that spent their hard earned money and I had to cut cut him off in in the press conference. I was like, excuse me, do you have those that same energy when the owners cut a player and their family is like, damn, so we just cut off. So we, we got to go find another source of income. I don't think people want to see it on both sides ever. It's always on the billionaire side. Why are the fans constantly on the side of the billionaire? That's like agreeing with your boss at your job. Every, everything your boss, decision your boss makes at your job. And you're like, well, yeah, it's for the benefit of the company, uh, Todd, your homeboy who got fired because they're laying off. Yeah. Like you don't, the fans don't ever for some reason, be able to see it from the player's point of view. And I think it's because of jealousy, you know, just mad and thinking that they shouldn't be making this much money anyways as, a, as an athlete. I disagree with you. I think it's because they don't know the people. They know the numbers. They know the shield. They know, um, you know, this is the player that's played for my franchise. And when he moves on, he'll go play for another franchise. There's no commitment to him. I know the people as people, and I know that they got struggles, they got issues, they got problems. They, they know that they everybody has those same struggles, issues, and problems. They don't see them. They and don't and, see and them. that's the problem. They don't see them because they are they're struggling to identify that they have the same issues at their job that these NFL players that have at their job. It's just a different tax bracket. Period. Sometimes, sometimes they bosses don't know what the fuck they doing, and the players <laughs> know it. And, and like, and they can't sit here. Like, you be at your job, and you know your boss don't know what the fuck you doing. You yes. sitting there talking to your other coworkers. This motherfucker yeah, right here, no, he don't know what the same fuck he thing doing. As and, NFL and it's owners. the exact yes. same thing in NFL. And like last year, oh my god, they just went ham on Matt Burton. It's like this motherfucker's horrible at his job. They yeah. they just basically quit on him. So Gordon. uh from the, the Chargers, Mr. Gordon has decided not to show up to training camp. This is one of the ways that players can kind of stick it to their front office, to their owners. But Is he under contract? He is under contract. So I guess he's planning to play for free, huh? Um, like, yeah, his situation is very different because he is under contract. So If you're under contract, they got you by the balls. You either go play or you sit out a year and you start this clock all over again. This is... Like like Le'Veon Bell, the only reason he got a power play was because he, he was, was not, not under, under contract. contract. 
Correct. If they got you under contract, I think the fine is like $12,000 a day. Yeah. By, by the time you get to the regular season, nigga, you playing for free. Yeah. Do you think he's going to hold out the rest of the season? Do you, how, how long no. do you think his holdout lasts? His holdout lasts till week three of the exhibition season. <laughs> week three? <laughs> and he's week back? Three. So what's the purpose yeah, then? then? What's the purpose for all this drama, all this noise, if he's not like willing to really sit, sit it all the way out? I mean, but if you sit it out, they just you stop your they stop your clock. Mm-hmm. You you're 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 right back where you started from the very next year. Yeah. I guess you plan on ending your career. I mean, you you really got to decide that hey, I'm gonna move on from football if you really want to play this holdout game. Even even look at Le'Veon Bell's situation. Le'Veon forfeited fourteen million dollars mm-hmm. out of principle, and yeah, he'll get it back in his legs and his body. And I'm sure he had he got a, a nice chance to get an HGH cycle going in his. Oh system. yeah. So, so so you know so he can like restart his career again. But dude. You just gave away $14 million. You're not getting that back. Sometimes it's about principle. Sometimes you really just don't feel like being disrespected anymore. The contract, the yeah. CBA is very disrespectful for the entire NFL. And until these players decide to to stand up, until they can get these quarterbacks on board, because that's truly what it's going to take, are the quarterbacks. They yeah. are the Listen, most important key. I, I agree with you, which is why I always will – forever respect Kirk Cousins because he is the first non-rookie player who got a fully guaranteed contract in the NFL. Now, he was, first round picks get fully guaranteed contract four years, but Kirk Cousins was a free agent and got a fully guaranteed contract. It starts with one. And I remember having this conversation with an agent of, of a player, a prominent player and with your buck, with your former bucks team. And he was negotiating with the team to, to, to on a big money deal. And yeah, they were throwing all this fake money out there, fake money. And I was like, what, why? But this is what, but then he'd sit here and say, well, this is what the real money is. I said, why don't you just negotiate a contract for the real money yeah. and not include all this fake money and just actually be the first agent who gets your client a real money contract so that the domino could start? And his answer was, well, then my peers, my peers are going to make fun of me and they're going to use that against me and recruit. Losers. I'm like, bunch of losers. Like, a bunch of losers. All they're doing is arguing, hey, I got so-and-so this much money. But in actuality, that was all fake money. But that's what yep. every, everybody's catfish. Everybody's playing games and lying. That's why whenever I see a contract negotiated, I always say, what's the guarantee? What's the real, yeah, what's, what's the real, the real money? money? Well, the rest of that is can, catfish, you, and I don't have time to hear any every contract and see exactly what it is from in terms of real money if you really know what you're looking at. Yes, indeed. Well, Omar, I got to get out of here. I appreciate you joining me. Looking forward to the show. I'll be back very soon. And we're going to link up in person. You coming to my live show, right? I'm absolutely coming to your live show. I always Turn got up. All right. Be easy. All right. Talk to All right. Later. Peace. Up next from ESPN's 97.5, the hits in Houston. Jason Braddock is joining the iHeartMiko podcast. What's up, Jason? How are you? Uh, doing very well. Thank you for having me, Miko. You're one of my OG uh, supporters. You've been on the show for a few few years now. I've been doing this three years. You've been hanging in, wow, in there with me. <laughs> We're like family now, right? Oh, absolutely. I just got to uh, make it down there to y'all's park sometime to catch up with you. Yes. Last time I talked to you, I think Brent, uh, Brent was preparing for an NBA uh, adventure, right? Yeah, he was. He is attempting to play in the big three, but you know, if we found out that he has to play like in Canada or go overseas and have some professional basketball, yeah, uh, 
attachment before he can actually play in that league. So you can't just be a pro. You have to be a pro basketball player. So I don't think he wants to venture off over to Canada or over to Europe, you know, for a little time just to play in the big three. I don't know if it's worth it to him or not, but we'll see. Not put the big three, not yet. It'd be fun to see him out there, but I think that's asking a little bit too much. Might, Might be for him, but he loves basketball. Let me tell you, he would play for free for absolutely nothing he would play. Unlike I've got football. Four kids, my youngest two are boys, and I've been training them the last couple of months. My 12 year old legend, he actually grew six inches this year. He's 12 years old, and I mean, I go to pick up my Jordans to go outside and hoop to play against them, and he's wearing my shoes. I'm like, dude, you're 12 years old. I'm 40 years old, and you're wearing my size 11. So we'll see where he goes. We, uh, we might have to watch him in the big three or maybe the NBA in a couple of years. Don't even say big three. That's beneath him. You got to go above that. Big three right. is for after you didn't, you know, either you had a great career and you still want to play or things didn't work out and you still want to play. So after Absolutely. he goes pro. But let's get into some Texans talk. I know that um, there's a little bit of news going on down there in Texas. Uh, uh, you, first of all, let me say, start with some positive news. I, I just heard that Texans franchise is ranked number two, 22 as the most valuable sports franchise list by Forbes worth $2.8 billion. Yeah. How? It's insane to hear. How? <laughs> it's all those championships they won. Right. They really drove up the value, right? I, I guess everything's bigger in Texas, including your net worth as a franchise. I mean, I, I really can't speak to it. I mean, even if you look at the current uh, franchise with Bill O'Brien going into a sixth, sixth year, uh, he's got about the same playoff success as uh, Dom Capers and Gary Kubiak before him. I believe his record's one in three in the playoffs now. So I guess Texas really loves football because the seats are always sold out. Man, that's a good thing, though. That's a, that Absolutely. is actually a good 100%. thing. And I try to tell that to fans all the time when they always try to say something about owners taking a loss for losing games. I'm like, every single game is a win for owners. There's no oh, such 100%. thing as a loss. They're, they're not taking a loss. I don't care what the reports say when they come out. Oh, we barely turned a profit. Come on. Lies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that lies. What isn't a lie is that you have J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins on your pup list and Jadavian Clowney apparently possibly holding out. What's the latest news? Give me the tea on the Texans right before we go into training camp. Yeah, I mean, you talked about J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins showing up on that active NFI list. So the thing with that, and also Justin Reed was added to that. And a star safety, obviously the younger brother of Eric Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with with those guys, I don't think they spend an extended amount of time. The key being that active hyphen, you know, right okay. before the NFI list, because they could come off at any time. And I would expect all of them to come off rather, rather quickly on that list. So I don't think there's anything for Texas fans to hold their breath on with this. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an important season. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into all of that with all the news that's come out. The last couple of months was supposed to be a dead period in the NFL. But the last couple of months, the Texans have been right there week over week, staying in the news, whether it's for positive or negative reasons. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking on the Jadavia Clown aspect of it all uh he wasn't happy played out uh you know how many number one picks overall play out not only their four first four years of contract but play out the fifth year option hardly ever i understand it from a business standpoint miko but as a player it it grows uh, some frustrations obviously going to come with that so he's going to hold out then you add on to that that the franchise tag with the texans moving their players around so much the versatility that Jadavion Clowney has that uh, they franchised them at a lower position as a linebacker instead of a defensive end, so they have some of that to sort out as well. That's rude. (laughs) 
That is so rude. Can you, I mean, could you imagine? Like, could you imagine everything that he's done? You guys finally have a franchise quarterback. Would you agree that you have a franchise quarterback? 100%. I think Deshaun Watson, a uh, little bit of that gets lost uh, in the news with Patrick Mahomes, who was taking two picks ahead of him when the Chiefs mm-hmm. traded up. With him throwing for 50 touchdowns and a million passing yards last year, with him getting the MVP in his second year, I think Deshaun Watson goes a little bit under the radar, which is something he's not familiar with after leaving leading uh, Clemson to their first right. national championship since 1981. And obviously, Trevor Lawrence follows him. After Trevor Lawrence broke all, all of his Georgia high school passing records, he goes on to Clemson as a freshman and wins a national championship both times over Alabama. So, uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson, he's the franchise. He's the future of it. And he seems from uh, all measures to be a great young man. So it so it appears that you know the Texans are are trending up. They're doing a lot of positive things. What is the problem with signing your number one guy, your your best player on your D line? What's the problem? Well, I'm not going to uh, get a lot of fans with this, but from the business and football sense of it. I don't have an issue with the Texans franchising them. Uh, I don't think Jadavion Clowney is the top pass rusher and the key mm. being uh, pass rusher in there. I think he's one of the most unique, powerful, explosive, fast, uh, you know, freak of an athlete. But uh, we've seen that in guys even here with this franchise and Mario Williams, and I don't think he has that want to to be great. Now, this offseason, it makes me pause when I say that, when you see the likes of the people that he's working out with, building his craft of um, away from the franchise, and he seems to be in great shape from the videos that's been posted, and everybody's speaking highly of him. But across the board, Jadavion Clowney is one of the most dominant run stuffers, but I don't think he's an elite pass rusher. I put out a tweet the other day that broke down the top pass rushers drafted in every draft in 2014 or 2018. This included Joey Bosa, and I also threw Khalil Mack in there being the fifth pick in that draft after Clowney went number one overall. Uh, you had Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, who Miles Garrett was compared uh, to Jadavion Clowney coming out. That was supposed to be him. And I think Miles Garrett is who you gauge Jadavion Clowney by and by every measurable of than tackles for loss, which could be a dominant run stuffing stat. It meshes with the film, and you don't pay a dominant run stuffer top Five pass rush money. When you look at the deal Khalil Mack got, I want to say like 24 million APY average mm-hmm. per year, and the guaranteed money he got was silly. I, I, my issue with the Texans was that with all the hubbub surrounding up, that you should have traded him before July 15th so mm-hmm. you could get max return on value on him. And what I mean by that is if you try to trade him right now, you're going to have to take players back in a return because that team has no insurance that they'll be able to give him a long-term right. contract. Afterwards. July 15th, the Texans can't reach, reach a long-term contract. He's going to have to play under that franchise tag. So I think you're tied to him disgruntled or not throughout 28, uh, 2019. So if that's the case mm. um, and he's holding out from camp, you take more of an injury risk, something that uh, was a concern with him with the microfractor surgery mm-hmm. coming out his first two years in the league. Well, well, well. Drama. That's all that's surrounding here. I mean, you look at the GM position after they fired Brian Gain on June 7th. Anytime you make a move like that, you expect it to be a move that, all right, we've got our guy in waiting. And the thought was that it's going to be Nick Casero from the New England Patriots, which I 100% agree that if you can get him, right. you go out and get him. The issue is they you couldn't didn't get, get him. him. So why fire your GM? 
Um, the talk was that Jack Easterby, who came in, who was a chaplain by trade, uh, a character guy in New England and comes down here, uh, his official position, I want to say, is like vice president of team as team camaraderie or some silliness <laughs> like that. But now you have this guy. And yes, I, I'm, I'm adding in some hyperbole there. But uh, this isn't a guy that I feel comfortable with saying, hey, if we hold out till 2020 to try to make that run after Nick Casero as his contract doesn't expire until after the draft in 2020. So if you stay firm at what you got with Bill O'Brien and his uh, GMs of the round table where mm -hmm. everybody's equal and you've got five guys there putting in input, Chris Olson, the cap guy, the director of player personnel, the director of college scouting, Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien. And, and let's be all serious. This is what Bill O'Brien wanted uh, years mm -hmm. ago as that Bill Belichick. When he came from New England. At 100. 100% where he is the de facto GM. And they can say that it's five guys sitting around the round table and well, yeah, we know the going in the round table again, just to be a little silly, but, uh, but it's Bill O'Brien. Bill yeah. O'Brien's GM. He's the head coach and he has no issue with that. And he's, he's at a place in 2019 that if they succeed, then they might not add a GM, but if he falls flat on his face and they decide to uh, keep Bill O'Brien on for 2020 and ahead, which I expect that they would, I think they make a book push for Nick, Nick Cassero from the New England Patriots continued because, and we saw them skate around the Rooney rule and how it uh, reflects with general managers mm -hmm. when they went after and interviewed Ray Farmer and Martin Mayhew. Come on. And then all of a sudden when they couldn't get Nick Cassero, like, no, nah, we're going to stay with what we have. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a bigger deal made about that. Like you just literally it went under, it, it flew under the radar of the Rooney rule. It flew under the radar. It literally 100 percent because it was such a train wreck. And uh, I think there was at that time some probably uh, some other Jets, drama going on uh, because you had the the racism or whatever they said happened with Brian Gain that came in. Everything I've heard that was doesn't seem to be too much to that seems like a disgruntled employee that happened to have been doing some wrong things from what the Texas organization. So there were so many other things. I think the Rooney rule aspect of all went under the radar and then the Jets at the same time were uh, in the same boat as the Texans. The biggest difference with the Jets, they went out and got a great GM and Joe Douglas from the Eagles. So that all went away. The Texans are sitting here like, hey, if we don't trade New England, uh, the New England Patriots a draft pick to get Nick Cassero for 2019 or before the 2020 draft, we got to wait till his contract runs out. And if you're doing that, you, he doesn't put his fingerprints yeah. on this franchise for 2019 or the 2020 season and then you have to worry about a lockout possibly in 2021 yes speaking of the lockout um i spoke with omar kelly earlier and we kind of broke down the whole interest in the 18 game season but i wanted to talk to you about the nfe nflpa putting out the work stoppage uh right. thing and it, it it drove me crazy and i had to laugh at the same time because i'm thinking to myself you're actually sending out tips on yes. how to survive to professionals like, what are we doing? You have to believe that they knew it was going to leak out, right? Yeah. So I don't know if that was a ploy, but if we go back to 2017, DeMora Smith said uh, that, and I know things can change with time, but going off of his words in 2017, he said he'd almost be, uh, it's almost accepted, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, that they expect a, a work stoppage uh, when the CBA talks come up. So why is it called a work stoppage now? Why isn't it called a lockout? Oh, man, we live in this day and age where you've got to uh, twist every word. You go buy a used car, it's going to be a pre-owned car, right? So you got to try to control the message and make everything sound better. Um, 
I think here's an interesting aspect. I don't know if anybody's talked about it too much, but Vince McMahon from the WWE rolled out the XFL years ago, uh, had slight success. I don't know if that's the right word. And yeah. now they're coming. Miko, these are businessmen, billion dollar right. businessmen. I don't think it's a coincidence that he said, hey, we're going to have our first season in 2020. The same year that you can put out and market your brand and show that you're a legit brand for one season as the NFL goes into their last year under under the okay. old CBK. So what happens if 2021 uh, that they're locked out? Those NFL players go somewhere to play. I think it's a genius business boy by Vince McMahon in the XFL. Genius. He's always working like no matter what's going on, McMahon is winning. And he's, he's 10 steps. It seems like what, he's 10 steps. He's 10 steps ahead of everybody, it seems like. He's got Absolutely. the entire plan. I just hope that the players wake up and realize that they have to start thinking for themselves, just like McMahon. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, these emails that's coming out, I think they have to understand that you have other men that's never played a down of football that's controlling your future and whatever. If I'm an NFL player, young or old, a vet trying to get that ring before I retired, I'm not letting you with your lawyer background control my future and my legacy <laughs> and my money. They have to somehow eventually wake up and realize like you guys are the bag. You have to secure yourself. You have to 100%. wake up and realize you have to get it yourself. And and I, I, I hope that they take notes from the NBA and these other Thank leagues. You. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think some of them are wising up to that as they look at these NBA contracts. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard making his way to the Clippers with Paul George, the Lakers building their team. I mean, everything that's going on in the NBA, NFL players are sitting back in the offseason saying, hey, uh, maybe I should have put a basketball in my hand yes. instead of taking these to the head. Yes. Um, speaking of uh, taking hits to the heads, two guys that hit people a lot, Khalil Mack and Vaughn Miller. Uh, right. I wanted to get your opinion and comparison on them. A lot of NFL analysts were, you know, back and forth about who's the better player. And in your opinion, if you were if you, if you were the Texans GM, let's just say for shits and giggles, you're the Texas GM. You have an opportunity to pick up Khalil Mack or Vaughn Miller in his prime. Which one of them would you pick up? And why? That's not a hesitation. I love Khalil Mack. Don't take this as a shot on Khalil Mack. Love him. Love what he brings to the game. 15 forced fumbles, I believe, in the five years he's been in the league. Exceptional player. Von Miller is one of the greatest pass rushers, if not the greatest, in NFL history. I love uh, his explosion, his burst, his being around the corner, his mentality. Uh, As far as I remember, I don't think there's been any off-field issues with him. I'm not saying there's any with Khalil Mack, but I'm just saying Von Miller, uh, also you got to factor in health. Both of these guys have been rather healthy. Von Miller mm-hmm. hasn't missed a start in his last five seasons. Uh, he only missed one game his rookie season, played all the games his second year. The only year was his third year where he played in nine games, and not coincidentally enough, that's the only year out of eight seasons that he failed to reach double-digit sacks. Mm-hmm. Seven out of eight years with double-digit sacks. Uh, he's averaged more tackles for a loss per year, I think, 24 and a half to 20 and a half over Khalil. More quarterback hits, more sacks, and I think they're tied. They're exactly tied at 15.6 tackles for loss, if I'm not mistaken, for their career. Two incredible players. I always say you can ju- you can tell a lot by a guy based on who he picks out of these two. Khalil Mack is the is the bigger, stronger, ag- angry, aggressive, down your throat type of player. Vaughn Miller's the finesse, fast, agile, you know, on his toes. You know, so so you like you like the you like the finessed guy as opposed to the big brawny bulldozer. I like Von Miller because I think you. You can put the biggest, strongest def- uh, offensive lineman in front of him. You could pick a uh, guy with the 
most nimble feet with perfect technique, and Vaughn's going to get by him and beat him. Uh, Khalil Mack, he does have that strength. He could go right through your chest and everything. I think Vaughn Miller is the Cadillac of pass rushers. He's just so smooth with everything he does. And when he gets that edge, it doesn't matter if you have perfect technique, if you're the Mm -hmm. top left tackle, right tackle in the game, uh, he's going to get around that edge and he's going to find a way to beat you, and he'll he'll get there. And So I just think Vaughn Miller is one of the best pass rushers. I upset upset a lot of fans in Houston years ago when Jay AJ was in the midst of his back, back-to-back or three-in-a-row defensive player of the year's runs, and I said I would trade him for Von Miller without hesitation because they, they not were in their the feelings. Longevity, yeah, not only the longevity and the wear and tear that JJ's going to take with the double and triple teams with uh, inside the trenches and everything, but also just their style of play, play and everything. I just with you watch JJ, such an effort, power, size guy, where Von is built to last for a long period. I don't even think he's 30 yet or he's back or he either I don't just think he's 30 yet. Yeah. I, th- I think he's 29, but man, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. Right. 100% agree. Great, great uh, comparison there. To, Cause I, I, I just happened to see that on social media and I was just like, wow, what a great question. I want to ask Jason. Cause I, I like, I like to get your opinion on a lot of things. Cause you, you're not just a, a Texans analyst. I think you kind of can speak for the entire league. You, you're well-versed. I've evaluated uh, yeah. prospects coming out of college for about 15 years yeah. now. So uh, you start falling in love with the mannerisms, not only how they get from, uh, you know, point A and point B, but everything that happens in between. So you start seeing a little bit of different in it, and that's what separates great from greatness, you know. So uh, there's different guys. The same thing with the Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, the Joy Bosa's and J.J. Watts. You see similar styles in there, but if you watch enough film, you see the little differences, and uh, you're still talking about great players, but if, if you're asking who do I put my job behind, it would be Von oh, Miller no. all day. Yeah. Speaking of greatness, uh, Antonio Brown, um, who will probably be a Hall of Famer um, as soon as he retires, uh, is headed over to Oakland for now. Next, you know, Las Vegas. And there was a video uh, trending of him catching bricks. Did you see that video? I saw the video. Um, I'm going to ask you, because when I first saw it come out, I just thought it was 21st century social media overhyping something. I know J- uh, Jerry Rice made uh, waves like when he was coming up catching bricks. His dad mm-hmm. would toss some bricks to toughen up his hands and everything. And with what Antonio Brown was doing and watching, I'm like, I did that when I was 16. Now, I didn't do the clap behind the back and all that. That's a whole nother level of coordination. But I wasn't blown away by it. And I don't want to sound like a hater. Antonio Brown's one of the best receivers in the game and has been for such a long time. I, I paused to, on how it's going to work out in Oakland because there's so many unique <laughs> personalities out there. And now you give them hard knocks with media guys. Mike perfect. Bayock, it's the perfect Brunette, storm. The Bontez perfect, perfect Incognito, <laughs> Antonio Brown. It just, it's I'm, the perfect the storm. Right. So it was a no perfect storm. for hard knocks, right? Yes. Well, I, you, I wanted to tell you my opinion on the brick catching. I thought it was actually a joke because I was, I thought he was just letting everybody know that he's prepared to catch all these bad balls from Derek Carr. Oh, wow. He's, he's hey, knowing Antonio Brown, <laughs> I wouldn't put him I think there's a Raiders the fan in the studio. He just popped his head up like, what, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But, um, uh, hey, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not like he hasn't had words for quarterbacks in the past, right? Even right. Hall of Famers. But I mean, I, I just wonder, like you said, this is probably going to be the most epic 
hard knocks ever. I mean, you mentioned incognito. Uh, you Antonio Brown's coming to play with Derek Carr. There's all the drama on the offensive line from last year. They tried to deny, and that we all know it's true. And then we have Gruden, who doesn't know how to use an iPad. Like, <laughs> this is going to be great TV. But do you think that, do you think that Derek Carr steps up? I mean, they've gone, went on and got two receivers. They went and got this other receiver. Um, what's his name? Tyrell Williams. They drafted a running back. They, they went and got an offensive lineman. They're doing everything that you would need for a quarterback to succeed. Do you think that when the 2020-21 season starts that Derek Carr is the Oakland Raider? No, I don't. I, well, if he's the Oakland Raider, he's not the starting quarterback. Apologies to the Raiders fans in studio. But uh, I think this is a train, train wreck waiting to happen. John Gruden, I mean, he gets this from uh, when he went to ESPN and he had his camp. Highly entertaining. Couldn't miss watching him with all the young quarterbacks coming into the league. Enjoyed watching it. But all the time down here in Texas, Texas land, where they've always wanted that true NFL quarterback that they, I mean, NFL head coach that they uh come in and they feel nice, warm, and cozy. You'd hear John Gruden for a decade plus down here, and I'm like, that's not a guy that I would want no. running my franchise. Name me one quarterback he developed. Yes, he right. won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl when the Raiders were too dumb to change up their defensive scheme that they were running the year before, so Gruden knew what was coming ahead of time. I mean, his offensive scheme. It was Gruden's offense. He knew what was coming. I mean, you had those defensive players, Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and, they, and John Lynch, and they know what's coming at them. That's why he got a Super Bowl. Tell me one quarterback he developed. Uh, Josh, uh, what was the kid's Great name point. in the first round? Josh Freeman. Freeman, yeah. Um, Poor thing. <laughs> and so now he's going to develop Derek Carr after several years in the league. I just don't see it. I don't think Derek Carr is the answer. The tape at Fresno State, there's a reason he lasted to the second round. Not that that's a low pick. But if you're a true franchise quarterback, if you last there to the second round, there's guys that's been successful. But if you last there to the second round, there's questions and concern. If you go back and watch Derek Carr, there's some David to his game. Uh, mm. He was checking down to Devontae Adams in that offense and just throwing with five-yard open windows there at Fresno State. Uh, I just don't think he's a franchise guy. So, uh, no, I don't see Derek Carr there as that quarterback when the new CBA is put in place after 2021. Who do you think is going to be the angriest if his stats aren't right, Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, that's a good question. Odell's got his BFF for life, Jarvis Landry down there. Yeah. So I think he's loving life right now. And that offense with Baker Mayfield, uh, they have so many weapons around him. I think Beckham's going to be good. If he doesn't get the production, I don't think he's as boisterous. Antonio Brown is in those later years of legacy years. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he's already been so vocal about leaving Ben Roethlisberger and a, a team that's a franchise just known as the gold standard or one of the gold standards mm -hmm. before the Patriots. Sorry, Patriots fans. But, uh, <laughs> but now you go to Oakland. I think this is going to be a train wreck. I expect to hear from Antonio Brown early and often, often. about his career in Oakland. I can't wait. Hard Knocks is one of my favorite shows. I was so hyped to be on it uh, the season before. So it was, good. it was fun and I'm so excited. What I'm not excited about is the way the NFL is just being so inconsistent with their domestic abuse um, situation. We have Tyreek Hill, who was on record 
um, saying that he assaulted his three-year-old son, telling the girlfriend she would be next, calling her a bitch. And then we have Jaron Reed, who we have no evidence of anything. We just have a woman saying he allegedly did something to her two years ago. He gets a six-game uh, suspension. Tyreek gets zero. What do you make of such inconsistencies in the NFL in regards to domestic abuse? Well, the NFL, you know, those there's conspiracy theorists out there where you're like Tyreek Hill, you know, one of the fastest guys in the NFL, exciting. He obviously at that glamour position, the diva position of wide receiver, uh, he brings in ratings, especially when you're playing for the MVP and um, and Pat Mahomes. And with Andy Reid and everything he does on offense for Pat Mahomes with Travis Kelsey and last year with Kareem Hunt before his issue came up and they quickly cut ties with Kareem Hunt. But Tyreek Hill's still there and looking at a new payday. Um you can definitely question the motives of the NFL. They've put every fan and media on alert that, yeah, we're we're going to protect our best interests. Going back to the concussions and so many other numerous uh, things like Greg Hardy going to the Cowboys when he came back. And I mean, you'll still get a second chance if you can play the game of football. Uh, there's one thing here that. I saw Mike Florio say, who has this law background that was kind of intriguing to me, where he says the difference in the Tyreek Hill and Jerron Reed case was that uh, Tyreek Hill, there's a minor involved in the case and that right. they can uh, suppress all the information and they wouldn't let the NFL, they wouldn't answer the NFL's question because that minor was involved, his three-year-old son that had the broke arm and everything. So the NFL may have had the uh, hands tied on this. With Jerron Reed, you have uh, the female who was a victim of the domestic violence that was willing to speak speak with them. And so uh, I guess they were swayed by it. I wasn't uh, privy to anything that was discussed behind closed doors. That's the only thing. So maybe it's on the up and up, but I just think the NFL's pushed, put themselves, especially with domestic violence and the way they cover it from Ray Rice situation. Then the video comes out and they completely do a 180 on that after the video speaks 10,000 words. So uh, I, I don't have a 100% solid take on this. I would say that if you question the NFL and their integrity, you have all right to do so. And they've done that to themselves. But um, there was also part of that audio that wasn't sent out until recently where Tyreek Hill said that not only was his fiance lying about right. this instance, she was lying about, about the, the 2014 other. arrest that mm -hmm. uh, basically made his draft stock fall to where he was right. available in the fourth round. See, my issue with this entire thing is this. You can't, if if for me personally, if there is no crime, meaning no one has gone to jail, there are no charges, you should mind your business. I think Thank that you. that's the part of it that the NFL has to stick by. Like you have to just stick with that regardless of what you see or what's heard or what's done. If there are no charges, mind your business. Now, if there are charges, then I feel that there should be an independent group of people that investigate these crimes, not the same people because it's just, it's flawed. There's you're too close to the action. There should be independent outside people that are investigating this. And whatever the outcome is, that's what it is. The NFL doesn't have the right, in my opinion, to prosecute someone or to take money out of their pocket if the law has deemed them not responsible for a crime. Yeah, the NFL put themselves, Roger Goodell, they put themselves in this position with being so shady with their dealings on their coverage and punishment of domestic violence in the past. So uh, if they take a backlash on this, nobody's going to shed a tear over it. Uh, again, um, when you're talking about a billion dollar business that's tied in with another billion dollar business in fantasy football and now the way gambling's gaining more popularity than yeah. ever before universally uh, acceptance in the game of the NFL. Like you mentioned earlier, the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas. So uh, yeah, there's going to be some questions when you're 
you're running that billion dollar business and then you got to decide, hey, are we going to punish this guy that's one of the biggest fantasy right. football players? Uh, Jerron Reed. I mean, no knock on him. He had 10 and a half sacks last year, had a breakout season. But he's on defense. This is a game. Fantasy football players and gamblers aren't giving it a second thought. If Tyreek Hill gets suspended for six games or a full season, it's going to make waves throughout a billion dollar, several billion dollar industries. Man, I just wish people really just looked at this for what it truly is and understood. And it would actually make fandom better. I feel like if fans really like took the time, like they study p- players' stats and, and all these meaningless things about them, if they actually took the time to figure out that the fans and the players are supposed to be on the same side. They're supposed to be on each other's side. So if you see a, a player like Jerron Reed getting suspended, you should have his back and say, no, 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 no. Regardless if he doesn't score points in fantasy and all that, you should have his back and say, hey, no, he's like... He should not be suspended. You know, like it's it's supposed to be a a, a gang. The the fans and the oh. players are supposed to be a gang themselves. But. I think us as the media play a part in that as well. With the Jerron Reed stuff, uh, as he's being compared to Tyreek Hill, almost we tend to forget that he had domestic violence issues as well. Now I don't know because so much of those issues. And the case didn't come to light right. nationally, so I don't know if he did it. I don't know if he uh, did do it. And it's the none NFL, of our business. They, because no, no one prosecuted him, so I feel like it's no one's business. Well, that goes back to your point that I mean, you can't be judged during execution or as the NFL, and when you do, then you uh, you bring all this scrutiny upon yourself. Correct. So correct. So much drama. I'm so excited that football is back. Um, uh, good luck to you guys. I, I um, may be hearing from you very soon. I'm going to be talking to you off air about a little bit of stuff going on in Texas. But uh, I appreciate you joining me. Um, and uh, we'll be having you on again soon. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Check us out every Wednesday through Friday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's myself, Patrick Creighton, and Abdul Foster, Arian Foster's older brother, as we roll out the new late hits every Wednesday through Friday, starting next Wednesday on ESPN Houston 97.5. Miko, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you as well, Jason. Take care. Take care. All right, peace. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for episode 173. As I told you before, I am doing my very first live show August 31st, 2019 at the Miami Light Project in Miami, Florida. If you would like to get tickets, all you have to do is go to iHeartMikoLive.com, purchase your tickets. I will have a meet and greet VIP ticket, and there will also be an open bar. There's going to be merch. All kind of fun stuff. And I have an exciting show planned for you guys. So if you will join your girl, I would appreciate it. Until next time, peace. Say hello to the bad guy. They say I'm a bad guy. I come from the bottom, but now I'm mad They say I'm a menace, Mr. Picture Fake Paint. They say a lot about me. Let me tell you what I am. They say I'm a bad guy. Say hi to the bad guy. I come from the bottom, but now I'm mad They say I'm a menace, that's the picture they paint. They say a lot about me, let me tell you what I am.